Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. God, this morning we do thank you for this opportunity to gather as your people in this place, uh, free from persecution, free from opposition, so that we can worship you, that we can open your scriptures, so that we can become more like you and just celebrate who you are and who we are in Christ Jesus. And uh, God, today as we open up your word and continue this series called New, Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would prepare our hearts. May our hearts be good soil this morning. May our hearts receive whatever word you have for us uh, in profound and supernatural ways. And God, I do ask, as Maddie mentioned before, that you would remove any distraction in our hearts, any distractions in our minds. Whatever has happened, whatever is to come, God, allow us today just to focus in upon you, your presence, and your word for us this morning. God, speak to us this morning, I ask, and it's in the wonderful name of Jesus that I do. Amen. Hey, a bloke by the name of Paul Dickinson uh, had a passion for names. And in fact, he would spend a lot of his time listing unusual names, researching names, and he discovered that it was worth writing a book. So Paul Dickinson wrote this uh, this book called Names. And uh, as he put this book together, uh, he discovered a number of things. And, And one of the things he discovered was certain names are destined for certain occupations. For example, a man by the name of Jeff Treadwell became a podiatrist. Mike Ketchum became a police officer. There was a bloke by the name of O'Neill who happened to sell church equipment. Dan Druff, what do you reckon he could have been? A barber, right? There were certain names that were destined towards certain occupations. P.P. Peters became a urologist. And Will Crumble was actually a well-known plasterer in the small town he lived in over in the U.S. of A. And not only did Dickinson think that certain names were destined for certain occupations, but he also found that, that names had a prophetic nature at times as well. You know, these names spoke a little bit of what was to come for them. You know, in 1941... There was a man who sadly was executed by electric chair in Florida, and his name was Will Frizzle. There was a, I know, that's pretty harsh, that's pretty harsh, but it just backs up my point that some words are prophetic. Right, sadly also, uh, there was, uh, where are we, there was a window washer in Montreal who sadly fell to his death when on the job. His name was also Will, but his surname was Drop. Names, names may lead to a certain occupation. They may have, you know, something prophetic to them by nature. I don't know. That's just a cool, quirky little way to open up a sermon. But what we do know is that names more often than not are chosen more on preference than identity and meaning. You know, as you uh, see or hear of someone who have recently given birth to a child, the first question we ask is, what's his name? What's her name? And sometimes it's chosen just because of preference. You know, Ella from uh, my family, 
uh, her name was influenced by a bunch of teenagers in a youth group that I was a pastor of uh, back at Cleveland Baptist a number of years ago. I can't say there's any great meaning behind it. I can't say that we prayed about it intensely. There's a couple of people threw the name around. We thought, yeah, that's nice. So we went with it. How godly am I, right? Some names are chosen on preference. But with the research and the findings of Dickinson, he did come to a realisation that a large number of the names that exist today do come with some kind of meaning. And they do carry a bit of an identity, I guess you could say, with it as well. And in fact, this was true for God. This was true for God. You know, if you happen to be new to this church staff, if you're not in church all that often, you know, one thing that we want you to know is that, you know, God is in the business of making things new. It's what he's about. You know, he is the author and the giver of new life. But, you know, as God led his children, the nation of Israel, and, and as God sent Jesus as a solution to sin, and, and as people placed their faith in him and then became his people, an extension of Israel, he gave to them new life, and he also gave to them new names. You know, it's what he does. He's all about new things, and also he's all about giving new names, and names that come with a sense of identity and also meaning. And if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, verses 2 to 4. Isaiah 62, verses 2 to 4. And, and as you're looking there, let me tell you what's going on. Uh, Israel, God's chosen people, had sadly disobeyed God. They had despised his statutes. They had, you know, begun to worship other idols and, and false gods. And because of this, they lost their land. They became overthrown or under the rule of a foreign empire named Assyria. And during this time, God sends a prophet, as he does by the name of Isaiah, to speak to them. And in chapter 62, verse 2 to 4, Isaiah says this to Jerusalem or to the Israelites that are in Jerusalem. He says, you will be called by a new name. There it is a new name, that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. May God add his blessing to that reading. This morning, God's in the business of making things new. Here he has given the Israelites who are currently based at Jerusalem a new name. And, uh, and in the ancient East, names did come with a, with a great amount of significance. They did carry a sense of identity and of meaning. And even though Israel had bombed it, right? We know the story. We hear about it time and time again. They had bombed it. They had turned their back on God. And as a result of that, they lost the land in which God gave them. So the surrounding uh, countries thought, God's deserted you. You're on your own. Your place, your land is now desolate. You know, because of all of these things, you know, God who is always committed to being faithful, God who is always committed to his covenants, the one that he made with Abraham, Moses, uh, Noah, even Adam, 
he was always going to fulfill those promises. And because even though Israel had done those things and found themselves in that situation, he provides good news through Isaiah, and it simply says this, I am going to give you a new name. And your new name is going to come with a sense of identity. It's going to have a deeper meaning. And this is all going to be of great encouragement to the people of Israel. And just for a few minutes, I want to unpack the name that God gives to the Israelites in Jerusalem. Because being a, I guess, New Testament Christian, there are some things that I believe apply into our world and our lives today. And as we look at God's heart for Israel especially on the back end of idolatry and disobedience, I think you're going to be encouraged at God's nature, God's way, and how he views his children and his people. As you'll see in verses 2 to 4, there are two names that God gives to the Israelites who are in Jerusalem. Two names. And the first one is Hephzibah. Everyone say Hephzibah. Come on, with more oomph, Hephzibah. Hey, there you go. Now, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So if not, you'll sound like idiots. But um, Hephzibah, I do know what it means. And the word Hephzibah simply means my delight is in you. My delight is in you. And once again, think about the context. God had chosen for himself a people. This people had disobeyed him. They had worshipped other idols. They received and experienced the consequences of this decision. But then the loving Heavenly Father, the God of Israel, says to them, Hephzibah, that's what you're going to be called now because my delight is not only still in you, but my delight is in you. That sounds like something only a God Almighty, one who by his very own nature is love, could do. Israel, he says, my delight is in you. What does that mean? What does it mean to delight in someone? Because the first thing that comes to my mind is Turkish delight. And I'm telling you, there ain't nothing delightful about Turkish delight. Can I get an Amen. Thank you. We've sorted that theological issue out quick smart here today at Gateway Redlands. Nothing good about Turkish delight. But what does it mean to delight in something? You know, is it the way you feel when you walk in and see me on a Sunday morning? You know, is it the way you feel when the Australian cricket team absolutely trounced India, although that didn't happen in the last game? You know, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, if you're a parent or a grandparent or maybe even an uncle or an auntie, I want you to cast your mind back to that time when you first placed your eyes upon either your little child or your little nephew or niece. You know, think about the joy. Think about the delight that overwhelmed you and that flooded your heart at that moment. And then continue to cast your mind back to those times when, you know, you watch this little one, whether it was your child or your nephew or your niece, you know, begin to do things for the first time. You know, the delight in watching them try to walk. You know, the delight when they finally crawl up to the stand on the couch and then fall over backwards and whack their head. You know, think about the delight you feel as they jump around in puddles and as they make that big mess when they're trying to eat the chocolate cake. 
You know, think about the joy and the delight as, as your precious little one grows and begins to achieve things in life. You know, just as a parent or an uncle or an auntie, just cast your mind back to those times and think about the joy, think about the delight that overwhelms you at those times. On a much larger scale, that's how God delights in us. You know, when he looked at Israel and he chose them for himself, you know, he looked at them and he was filled with great joy. They were his people. He was filled with great delight when he saw them place faith in him as they went through, you know, different challenges in life. And even though they did what they did, God still experienced and felt great delight and joy in the nation of Israel. Now, let's not get it twisted. God grieves over disobedience and sin, right? And we know that at times God has allowed or allowed Israel to deal with the consequences of their own disobedience and idolatry. It grieves him and we know sin cannot have any place in the presence of a holy God. So he sends Jesus as a solution to the sin, as a way for us to be reconciled and redeemed. But let me tell you this, and I really want us to get this this morning, church. God does not stop delighting in his people. He does not stop delighting in his people. You know, dare I say there are some of us here today who still have a tendency to think that God is some cranky old dude who sits up on a cloud ready to strike you with a bolt of lightning the moment you screw things up. That's not a great approach. That's not a great way to view a God who is for you, a God who loves you, a God who delights in you, even though at times you might step in a different direction. You might not do the things that God wants you to do. You know, he grieves over those things. His heart breaks when we don't obey him, when we don't take his advice on board but he still delights in you because he loves you. He's got your back. He wants the best for you. He wants all people to come to repentance. He wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to be in a relationship with him and to spend eternity with him. You know, in the midst of their disobedience and idolatry, God sent Isaiah with these words. I'm gonna give you a new name. And one of them is Hephzibah, which means, despite all of that, I still take great delight in you. You still bring me joy. You know, another name that we read in that passage of Scripture that Isaiah says God is going to give to the Israelites in Jerusalem is the name Beulah. Everyone say Beulah. Awesome. You're getting better at this. Well done, Gateway Redlands. And by Bueller, I'm not talking about, you know, Ferris Bueller's day off. I know that's the first thing that comes to a lot of your minds. That's what I thought. I know it'd be the first thing that my wife Angela thought about. We're not talking about Ferris Bueller. And once again, I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Uh, I think I did. But I am confident of the meaning. And the meaning of the word Bueller simply means the wedded one. Or it means married. And in the ancient East, and in particular this time where Isaiah was ministering, um, that area of the world was known to be very cultic, and there was a lot of idol worship going on. So from God's perspective, as he viewed Israel and what they were doing, some of them you know, became a part of the practices of Canaan. 
a part of the practices of Assyria. And as they did these things, they were being unfaithful to a God who was in covenant relationship with them. And when God chose to use the name Beulah, he was talking about and speaking into this idea of fidelity, of faithfulness. You know, even though you, Israel, have done what you have done, I will once again remain faithful to you. I made a promise to you I'm going to carry that out. But in so doing, I also expect faithfulness in return. And we know in the beauty of hindsight, God sent Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He grew. You know, he did amazing things. He was then crucified. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit came. We accept him by faith. He fills us, gives us the power to be faithful. But in using the word Beulah, God was saying, I will be faithful to you and I want your faithfulness in return. It was a very difficult thing for the Israelites, especially in Jerusalem and in other parts of the Eastern world, to do in that day and age because objects of worship were littered everywhere. They were littered everywhere. You know, here in the 21st century, we worship TVs, we worship cars, we worship people, we worship food, we worship alcohol, we worship money, we worship jobs, we worship sex. Today is still littered with objects of worship. But you know, in the ancient East, it was convenient to worship idols. You know, there were uh, objects on every corner, and it was easier to go next door or to the corner of the street, instead of having to go to the one place the people of God had to go to to worship. It was convenient. You know, some objects of worship didn't come with the moral expectations of Judaism. For example, the Ten Commandments. So, you know, it was easier, I guess, for them to worship these other gods. And some objects of worship were erotic. And for most in that day, that was a very, very attractive thing to do. You know, idolatry and the worshipping of false gods in ancient East was convenient, it was easy, it was attractive, and the people of God sadly got caught up in all of that. And in the midst of that, listen to what God says to his people. He says, I'm going to give you a new name, Hephzibah, which means I still delight in you. But secondly, Beulah, I'm going to be faithful to you but I would love your faithfulness in return. Let that sink in for a bit. Let that sink in for a bit. Now reflect on on yourself, on where you're at, on whether things have crept into your life as an object of worship. You know, something that you devote all of your time, all of your energy, all of your finances to, dare I say more than God himself. Just reflect on what may have caused unfaithfulness to God. Now think about for a second, think about for a second, um, those times in your life where you've stepped away from him, you've decided to take matters into your own hands. You know, well, just like the nation of Israel experienced, I'm telling you, there are times where you may feel like God deserted you, and we know he doesn't. Now, your life may feel like it's being desolated. Now, as Kath was talking about before, maybe there's a level of of emptiness, of loneliness. Maybe you're dry spiritually. Maybe you're struggling to sense, you know, a connection with God. Now, we can fix that today. 
That's the beauty of our God. But in the midst of all of that, you know, I want to go out on a limb here. I want to say the names and the attitude that God had toward Israel applies to each and every one of you here today. God still has and takes great delight in you. God will remain faithful to you. And as I said before, fast forward the story, the sinning of Jesus, the arrival of the Holy Spirit with his power, we too can be faithful to him. But think about your world and how God still loves you. He still loves me. He delights in us. We feel and overwhelm him with joy as he watches us do our thing. Any messy cake eaters in the house today? There's a couple. Thank you. One honest person in this house. I ate cake with one life group on Friday night, and it was a horrendous display. So uh, I'm just kidding. God has delight in you. That was the new name that he gave to the Israelites in Jerusalem. But you know, in Christ, right? In Christ, the giving of a new name doesn't stop. God continues to give new life and then pour out a new name upon those who place their faith in him. Very quickly, let's play a game. Let me get you all involved here today. Who likes playing games? Let's turn this into a big youth group this morning, all right? Let's play some games. Think for a second um, about the names that God gives to his believers. You know, one is, you know, more than conquerors. That's kind of a big name, but, you know, overcomer or the redeemed, okay? Think about a name, all right? Think about a name, a name that God gives to his believers, names that we read in scriptures. All right, you got one? Start yelling them out. Give me one. Come on. Nice and loud, Steve. Stephen, there's one. That is your name. I'm hoping some a little more spiritual than that, though. Although there might be a great meaning behind that name. Come on, what are some of the other names? Peter. Peter. <laughs> keep, keep working on it. Loved, yes. What else? Blessed. Son. Kiwis? Oh, kings. I didn't say kiwis, man. That would be good. Yeah. I'm a trained Bible teacher and I haven't seen that anywhere in there as much as I love it. Come on, what are some other names? Priests, a part of the royal priesthood. What else? Saints. Come on, church. What? Heirs, we are heirs, we are the redeemed, we have been reconciled, we are overcomers, we are more than conquerors, we are citizens of heaven. You know, we have been raised up for Christ, we are chosen, we're forgiven, we are justified, we are righteous. There are so many names that God has given to his people. And dare I say, one of the reasons for this, and there is obviously a contextual reason, that what I have found myself doing over time is that I grab one of these names that really connects with me. And that name is a name that encourages me in my own faith and during difficult times. You know, one thing that really inspires me is simply the name Chosen. I love to know that the almighty God of heaven has chosen me to be a part of his family and to do his will. But there may be a name that, you know, resonates with you. Maybe it is the fact that you're loved, forgiven. Maybe it is the fact you are an overcomer. 
the redeemed. Maybe Stephen and Peter. I don't know. But when we accept this name, that God, this new name that God gives to his children, it comes with a sense of identity and meaning that encourages us in our own walk, in our own journey of faith. There is, however, one name that applies to all of us, all of us who have faith in God through Jesus Christ. There is one name that applies to all of us, and it's one name that I want to land this message on today, and I'll give you a take-home thought that I'd love you to action throughout the week. And this is the name. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. John says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, and here it comes, that we should be called children of God. Children of God. And that is what we are. Now in Christ, the one whom God has anointed to be the Saviour of the world, when we place our faith in Him, He gives to us a new name. And that new name is son or daughter. You know, we we are children of God. We are children of God. You know, and today, you know, I believe the message that God has, has given me for this church is simply this. He wants us to start behaving like a child. He wants us to be childish in a very deep and meaningful kind of way, of course. And what does that look like? Now, I understand that, you know, that the experience with parents may not be good for everybody. You know, it definitely was not great for me. But, you know, generally, you know, your parents, your guardians, you know, there's a good experience. Just, just think about that situation. You know, the door's always open. You can just waltz on in any time. Take your shoes off. Doesn't matter if you got tin ear or whatever. You just take your shoes off. You can help yourself in the fridge. And after that, if you feel a little bit tired, you can crash out on the couch and just rest. And you know, when you've recovered, you wake up and you can confide in your parents. You know, hey, I'm excited about this. This isn't going well for me. Can you please make me another cuppa? Just think about that environment for a second. That's what it means to be childish. And we've got a loving Heavenly Father and His door's always open. He's always for us. Help us out to the fridge. Chill out on the couch. Change the channel. Eat His food. Why? Well, because we're His. He takes great delight in us. He'll be faithful to us. It's just who He is. It's just what He's about. God, our Father... We are his sons and daughters. We are his children. Can I encourage us to start behaving like a child today? Can I encourage us to behave like a child for 2020? Where we just trust our loving Heavenly Father for everything that we need and go to him as a father who's got our back, a father who's for us, and a father who's not just sitting up there waiting to pour out his wrath the moment we screw up. He delights in you and He wants to be faithful to you. Hey, why don't we just close our eyes across this place this morning. 
And uh, I, I wonder today if there's someone here who needs this new name, the name Son of God or Daughter of God for the first time. And maybe you've turned your back on God. Maybe you've walked away from Him. Maybe you've been caught up in the things of this world and you've been worshipping things other than God. And you know that your life, you know, it feels, you feel lonely, you feel empty, you feel like it's desolated at the moment. You know, today, today you can be a child of God, filled with His Spirit. And if you want to do that for the first time, now if you want to receive and enjoy everything that our loving Heavenly Father gives to those who belong to Him through faith in Christ, why don't you just put your hand up in the sky right now, and I'm just going to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do. And uh, I'm going to pray that God would fill your heart with His love, with His Spirit, and you can leave this place with a new name, and that is either a son or a daughter of God. If you want to do that for the first time today, just raise your hand in the sky right now. Thank you, brother. I see that hand. Anyone else here today? Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand, too. God loves you today, ma'am. I've been watching you today, ma'am, and I know that He's been speaking to you. I know that it's been prompting your heart, ma'am. You can put your hand down. I believe God's got a blessing for you today. Anyone else here today that wants to make that decision for the first time? Thank you, brother. See that hand too. Bless you, my man. Anyone else? Anyone else who just knows they need our Heavenly Father in their life? One who's going to delight in you. One who's going to be faithful to you. One who's going to restore whatever's been taken, whatever's been damaged in your heart and life. Anyone else here today that wants to be a child of God for the first time? Just raise your hand. That's cool. So if you raise your hand this morning, I'm just going to pray. It's going to be an easy prayer. It's not going to be hard to follow. And in either your heart or verbally, I just want you to repeat after me. And uh, we're going to celebrate with you at the end. Let's just begin by saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for your delight in me. Thank you that you love me. And thank you that you have a plan for me. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. I am forgiven. I am whole. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. I am a a son and daughter of the Most High. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Hey, can we put our hands together for those who have got a new name and a new future all because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. God bless you today. Uh, In just, I'd say, less than 10 seconds, one of uh, our welcome team members is going to come and tap you on the shoulder. They've got a little gift for you and it's just to help you on your way. Uh, Can I please ask you, once you've got that gift, to take the Connect card out, fill that in, and uh, hand it in at the welcome desk on your way out and we will help you do this journey of faith. No one's going to bombard you with two more, too many questions when you hand it in. Um, but if you could do that, then that will enable us to love you, to lead you and to care for you as good as we possibly can. Hey, why don't the rest of us stand together this morning? I haven't forgotten about the children of God today. And let me give you something to respond to. Perhaps you, as a child of God, perhaps you need to be reminded of the name that God has given you. 
Maybe it is chosen, forgiven. Maybe some of you can't even forgive yourself. Hey, that happens a lot. Now, if you want to be reminded of the name God has for you, or if you want to receive a new name that will be a source of strength for you in 2020, I'm going to invite you to come out as we sing. Prayer team, can I get you to come forward, please? Just line yourself up the front. Um, but yeah, if you, if you ever want a new name or if you want to be reminded of who you are in Christ, perhaps you've just made a first-time decision and you love receiving prayer and you want more prayer, why don't you come down the front right now and um, we've got a lovely team that will uh, pray for you today. So come on, why don't you just come down, receive prayer, let them pray a blessing into your life and we're going to conclude by singing a song together. Let's sing. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.